0: Hi, this is Nick Dawson, the editor-in-chief of Talk House Film, and you're listening to the Talk House Film Podcast. First known as a quirky comic performer, Bobcat Goldthwaite has redefined himself to the current generation of moviegoers, with films like Sleeping Dogs Lie, World's Greatest Dad, and God Bless America, establishing him as one of the most idiosyncratic and playfully provocative voices in American indie film. This year, he showed yet another side of himself, with Call Me Lucky, his remarkable documentary about the cult comedian Barry Crimmins. I was fortunate enough to be at the film's Sundance premiere this past January, where I went in expecting a straightforward portrait of an underappreciated stand-up, but then found myself experiencing something infinitely more profound and moving. As I was looking for someone to chat with Goldthwaite about Call Me Lucky, the excellent writer-director Lynn Shelton, best known for her movies Hump Day, My Sister's Sister, and Laggies, told me that she and Bobcat had recently become Twitter buddies. So, of course, it was a no-brainer to get them together for a chat on Skype, which you'll hear for the next 35 minutes or so. But be warned, if you don't want to hear spoilers about Call Me Lucky or disclosures about the unlikely location of one of Bobcat's tattoos, the reason he used to wear silly hats while directing, and why the U.S. is the People's Republic of Spring Break, then proceed with caution.
1: Um, hi Bobcat.
2: Uh, hi, this is really weird. So this lets people have the opportunity to eavesdrop on a, a conversation. Is that what we're doing?
1: I think so. I think that's the idea. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, that's,
2: that's, we're, we're a nation of voyeurs and finks, so <laughs> it, it, sounds, it sounds perfect.
1: Yes, I, exactly. I sound, a
2: little, I sound a little salty, don't I? I sound a little crabby, but or I don't know. you. The quality you know, of
1: your voice? What do you mean?
2: I'm just a little. I I shouldn't say I sound. I am. I am a little crabby, but. Uh, oh. That's all
1: right. Oh no. That's,
2: no, I know. So how are you? <laughs>
1: um. Uh. I'm good. You're you're in New York. Is that where you are? are I you am
2: elsewhere? in. I am in New York. And you're, you're in New, New York. York. We could do this face to face, but. I <laughs>
1: will. I'm not there yet. I'll be there tomorrow. Oh. I'm going okay. To, yeah. Yeah. So, but yes, I'm I'm close behind you. Um. Uh, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm well, I'm pretty well. It's hard. It's hard to really complain about what's going on in, in my life. You know, I feel like things are, things are good. What's going on? Well, I just got home from doing a bunch of TV directing, uh, that I really thoroughly enjoyed doing. Um, it was exhausting, but also very satisfying. And then I'm riding away on some movies that I hope to actually get underway soon. So that's, you know, exciting, an exciting prospect, because I haven't been on this, my own set in a while. So looking so do forward you, to
2: that. I, so are you comfortable discussing those because or not because of... Uh,
1: of jinxing them? Well... <laughs>
2: Is it jinxing or is it, or is it, are you paranoid? Do you think someone's going to steal your ideas?
1: Oh yeah. No, no, I don't know. I guess I'm, I am never, too. I am. You're never am scared am of them. <laughs> Who never else at to all. <laughs> exactly.
2: I'll tell people the whole plot of the movie and I do quite often, you know, oh, I have a zombie, God. a zombie fetus movie called ankle biters that I've been trying to get going. And uh, it's based on a minister, a real minister in Wisconsin who got arrested giving aborted fetuses uh, Christian burials. So um, I thought, well, this just writes itself, you know, zombie fetuses. And, um, you know, it's funny, people don't mind the fact that a lot of uh, fetuses get killed in the movie, but they have a problem that the end is (laughs) pro-choice. Like, when they read it, they go... they go. It's a little heavy-handed. It's like, no, it's not heavy-handed. You just don't. You're worried about the politics of my zombie fetus movie. So if anybody wants to make ankle biters, you know, it's not. Good oh, luck, you know. Or yeah. um, yeah. or the other. You know, I've been trying to make this gay Billy Jack movie forever, and, and um, I mean, it's not gay Billy Jack. I mean, it's it's a character. He's a a Billy Jack type. You know, it's just this, this long. Right. Right. Uh, you know, which is very much like, uh, you know, he's his outsider, ex-Marine, who um, got kicked out during Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Uh-huh. And uh, and he's turned his back on society and then he, he, he comes into the to, into this homophobic town and kicks ass, you know. Uh huh.
1: Uh huh.
2: So anyone else wants to do that? You know, I I, I was um, I was I was with my my wife at the time and I said, I'm really tired I'm really tired of of being broke. I'm going to write a genre picture. So I I started writing this movie and I was about 50 pages in. and She goes, how's it going? I go, well, he's gay now. And (laughs) and, and she goes, she goes, we're just going to keep renting. Is that it? We're just going to keep renting.
1: So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions now. And specifically, I mean, you and I became friends recently via Twitter. I can't remember who followed who first, but, um, uh you sent me the link to see lucky me and i saw it and was call blown away call, call me lucky, me call lucky. Call oh my me. god there we go call me lucky jesus freaking christ and i you um, really you really <clears throat> yeah i'm real i'm <laughs> batting followed? 100 I'm right now i'm trying to figure out
2: who followed who is is where i am at still. <laughs> i'm trying to figure out who followed who i may have been following you maybe maybe I maybe don't
1: think so. I, yeah, think I think so. i follow, i think i followed you and then you followed me and i freaked out Remember, because I direct messages yeah. like, "Oh my god, that you made a- my day!" Yeah, that. Yeah,
2: a- yeah, you were being and a mental like, case. You're yeah, an idiot. You're- Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I, I was. <laughs> I don't know you're if I You're very
1: dismissive. Said, I, it's like, yeah. Why would you care? Yeah,
2: I, I got. I didn't think. I think "idiot" is harsh, but I, I, I may have said <laughs> something along those lines.
1: Yes. No, you were very harsh. You're well, like, it's,
2: just, it's just absurd. You're, you're <laughs> a, a super talented filmmaker, and, 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 and why wouldn't I uh, follow you? Um, I also follow many, many uh, Bigfoot researchers. So, you know.
1: <laughs> so really, it's absolutely neither. <laughs> no,
2: I'm just saying other great minds. That's oh, what see. I'm saying. That's Not- what I'm saying.
1: I'm in good so, Okay, good. As long All right.
2: As long. All right, I'm ready um, okay, for so, your, your hard-hitting questions. So, okay, no softballs.
1: No softballs All right. allowed. All right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I did want to talk a, a little bit about Kami and and um, uh, what the origin story of it was. I mean, you obviously, you've known Barry a really, really, really long time. Yeah,
2: since I was a teenager. So uh, the origin of it was... Because I feel like I have to tell people a little bit about the movie before I explain the sure. origin. So, yeah. so Barry's a, a comedian. He's a, a mentor of mine. Uh, he influenced a lot of comedians. He gave a lot of people their start. Be it folks like Stephen Wright or Dennis Leary or Paula Poundstone and Well, because in addition to
1: being an actual standup himself, he he started a yeah. venue for people to actually to do it right in Boston.
2: Right, and then yeah. and then and then even before that, he was running the show that was near my hometown of Syracuse. That uh, Tom oh. Kenny and myself went to, which Tom right. Kenny is not the name drop, but he's the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants, and I've known him since I was six. So, <laughs> so Barry took an ad out. We answered it. We went to the sh- to his show. But even though, and and then for folks who aren't familiar with Barry, it's not that he, he's not well known, but He's a political satirist. And my favorite Barry Crimmins joke is, is um, uh, he, says, he says, people say, people say, Bear, if you don't love this country, why don't you leave it? And he says, because I don't want to be victimized by its foreign policy. <laughs> so, so a very sharp guy. But I would have made this movie about Barry, even if he wasn't a comedian, because as an adult, um, dealing with his child abuse, he was raped when he was four, by a neighbor over a, ser- a period of time. And, um, and, and, and while he was processing this and looking for other people who were victims of, of this, it was in the early to mid-90s he got online and, and what he found was people exchanging child pornography and he went to AOL and they didn't do anything about it. because AOL was really the only game in town at that point. And in the movie, you know, he ends up on the floor of a judicial hearing at, on the Senate and all the senators, uh, senators are just boasting about how they aren't online, how they don't understand how computers work. So, yeah. So it, it's hard for us to wrap our brains around that period. So when Barry, you know, he, he ends up, uh, you know, posing his two kids, getting all this evidence against these uh, pedophiles. And he basically took well to the floor of the senate and embarrass them for for their practices and in doing that there was a big shift in barry and you know I, he, he went from being a, a guy who was a curmudgeon and, and and always mad to just a guy who's a curmudgeon and occasionally mad so, so <laughs> no but there was there was definitely a shift in him and yeah he focused his he was able to focus himself on helping other people and making his act just 100% political. There was no more fluff in it. It was just, you know. So, right. so, but it wasn't about the fact that his change, although I think that if the movie works for people, hopefully that, that's, a, you know, that, that's, that to me is, is, is a good story to tell. But it just when he went to the floor of the Senate and, and took on these, these, as a small little outsider and took on this, you know, giant, a company. It really, when he did that, it just felt like a Frank Capra story to me. So that was in the yeah. mid nineties. And I, and I knew I wanted to make the movie all the way back then. Huh. I tried a couple swipes at writing screenplays for it. And, yeah. Um,
1: now talk about that a little bit. So, so was that your, did you consider a doc at the beginning or was it just right no, away your brain went to narrative? You no, just thought, and, and no. what was, how is it going to be structured? Like what, what was that going to look like? It, you know, it was, was it gonna be straight up the same story or were you gonna sort of shift things a little bit or Yeah,
2: I mean it was it, well the reason that, that I wanted to make it as a narrative was because I, I didn't want to do a documentary because I didn't want Barry to have to relive the telling of these events. Mm, mm, mm. And and I was concerned for his well being. Mm. And uh so so then the structure isn't so different because I, I started it kind of the same where you didn't hear, you didn't know who this guy was and you were wondering who he was. And yeah. you saw these comics, you know, kind of being uh, afraid of him. He was backstage <laughs> and, uh, and then he goes on the stage and then he, you see that he's funny. So that kind of, in a weird way, is how the movie ended up being. And then it opened with the night he disclosed on stage in Boston Right, uh, which there was no footage of, so so that was one of the things I wish there was. But yeah. but when he so so the you know the big reasons were I didn't want my friend to have to go through this. And
1: um, well, and it when it was when it was closer to the actual time, it would have probably been a lot tougher. Yeah, and yeah, and that's
2: and that's when I started it that long ago. So over right, the years, right. you know, and and, and and you're aware of that uh, this, you know that Robin Williams was my pal and yeah. you know we we discussed you know it was the idea that it would probably have been him you know playing it. you know that was the idea and and we talked about playing Barry and then it was kind of funny even because with you know I've been trying to make this movie for so long and then and and then Robin was just like saying you know I'm too old I'm too old to play him now. <laughs> <laughs> and, well and, and uh, did
1: you did you actually try to go out with a script and with Robin and get funding like Robin in the no, main role No never got that no, far No yeah. and
2: and 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 I, and I probably wouldn't have done that anyways like like mm. like when I got World's Crazy Dad going they didn't mm-hmm. it wasn't that they didn't know Robin was attached. you know uh-huh, I just kind of uh-huh. I kind of always don't I, I, you know, I, I don't like doing that, and I should because I could probably not be fifty three and renting, but um, <laughs> with roommates, so it's, it's, like it, it's all coming up
1: college student.
2: It's all coming up gold This is my year. Yeah, my year. Now we're renting a house with a with a washer and dryer. So yeah, um,
1: baby.
2: Hey, look,
0: living the
2: life. I am. I'm an artist. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. I remember telling Robin when we made "Made World's Greatest Dad." I said, "I said, you know, you can't make you can't make art in a mansion." And he goes, "So, I, so I have to sell my house." And I was like, "No, no, you're gonna go stay in a chain quality hotel with the rest of us schmucks. That's all." <laughs> He's like, "Oh, okay." And I said, "It was, it was, he he, he kind of liked the the whole." Um, the you know it was like a pirate ship you know he liked the, the <laughs> fact that we he felt he was getting away with with, with murdered out, being out so far outside the system yeah but um so so it was Robin that suggested I make it as a documentary. Um, that's how that came about, and that so when was.
1: Did, when did he suggest that? Like, how long? How long did it take you to make make
0: it?
2: Well, was it... it was February two thousand fourteen was when we started oh, wow. filming, and that's like he suggested it uh, right around then. And, wow! And he says, "I'll give you some money to start," and that's how the movie got started. And then MPI, the company that ended up financing the rest of the movie, stepped in, um, and they were very nice. You know, they mm-hmm. they had they released my Bigfoot movie. So it's just so crazy for a, a film company to go, well, we, we had luck with this Bigfoot movie. We should try. <laughs> let's do to this really,
1: documentary about let's
2: do the let's do, the, let's do the baby rape documentary. Well, good for
1: them. That's a short amount of time to make a doc. Um, you know, yeah. a year later, you were at Sundance with it, right? Yeah.
2: That's I, Yeah, but I didn't know that, 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 that the doc, when I was at Sundance, there's other filmmakers and they're like, oh, we started, because it was a documentary dinner and they're like, oh, we started our movie seven <laughs> years ago and we started yeah. ours three years ago. And yeah. then I said, yeah. They, when did you start yours? It was like February. And none of them said, hey, that's great. They're just like, no,
1: <laughs> they are just Oof. angry. I no, know. they weren't,
2: they weren't mad. No. no, they, they just assumed it was terrible. They're like, poof. Oh, yeah.
1: I see. Interesting. I don't
2: know. Maybe they were mad. No, they didn't, you know, again, it was kind of funny jealous. because, because, because all those docs that were there at that thing, they were all, um, you know, they were, they were all, Attached or not all, but most of them were attached or made by folks that had much larger, big, bigger companies behind them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, so I, I was where I like to be. I was a little bit on the invisible side, you know.
1: <laughs> okay, about, so um, now
2: we, we need to about, talk about yes. you. Oh, about you're interviewing me, me though.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's ridiculous. a conversation, but I did. But I, I have, I do have a couple burning questions that so we can turn it back. If there's you know if there's time, but my big burning question for you, Mr. Goldthwaite, because you I had, I think you,
2: I think you are, are dodging questions.
1: I'm not. I'm not dodging questions. I literally, I am. I'm dying to know the answer to the questions I'm about to ask you. So I'm just. All right. I'm since you know. I was asking. I think, we're, you, I think we're.
2: I think. I think. I think we're <laughs> wired a lot alike. I think we have a a, 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 a million things in common. Yeah. And uh, and. Uh, Thank you. and uh, and I thought maybe I you were just acting like me and trying to dodge questions, but maybe.
1: You know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But uh, well, I think we are both more comfortable being in the driver's seat. Possibly that could be part of it. But yeah, which which um, I think
2: people would think is yeah we yeah so we're both lobbying to to yeah. grab the wheel. Okay. Exactly,
1: exactly. Um, but you're gonna let me because you're you're nice that way, or at least for the moment. I'm a
2: gentleman. Because yeah. you're
1: a gentleman. I was gonna say that. Um, but I am I am really curious about when because you had this whole gigantic career you know life before you became an independent filmmaker now in the middle of that you know you made your first you directed your first film shakes the clown but um what i'm curious about is when did you start writing like the last few films you've made since then um starting starting with sleeping dogs lie which was called stay at sundance in what year was that? 2006?
2: Yeah, I think 2006,
1: yeah. Um, so that film onwards, like, I. I
2: yeah, that was never, the difference.
1: I, it feels like yeah. there's a, a shift there. And I'm just, I'm wondering how long, when was it that you knew that that was what you wanted to do, that that was where your, you know, sort of your passion lay? And how long had you been writing scripts and like just that, all that? that
2: yeah, kind of well, the, the, the whole time that I'd been in show business, I was always, you know, sometimes I was pitching them and getting paid to write them and they wouldn't get made. But, but, but the movies, I wasn't being true to myself. I was, I was trying to write movies that I thought would get made. So Mm -hmm. they would be, Mm -hmm. or, or something for me to be in.
1: Right. And yeah.
2: And I was really, really beyond frustrated with that. And, Mm -hmm. and I also didn't even realize I really hated being um, um, known. I know it sounds weird, but I didn't like all the focus and hoopla around, around being famous, especially for a persona that wasn't me. I mean, I didn't dislike the persona. I just didn't have anything in common with it the older I got. Right. So um, it, no decisions were made. I just finally, I questioned if I had the ability to tell a story on paper that I really didn't even think I could write a screenplay. So I, I wrote Stay because I questioned if I could write a, a movie. I mm-hmm. didn't think I could because it, I had no success with it. So I, instead of trying to write a movie that I thought would get made, I, I wrote the movie that came out of me.
1: That you wanted to write yeah yeah and, and and the other difference I should point out too we should point out is that shake starred you you've you've never yeah. been you've never been in any of your other movies right that no
2: that, like a, yeah. little cameos little cameos but, but the cameos aren't me being cute the the, the 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 cameos are really because no one else would do it <laughs> you know
1: you, and you were on set <laughs> that day <laughs> yeah
2: like in yeah, stay yeah in stay I'd play Roy Orbison's bare ass because uh, <laughs> nobody else would drop trow at that point. I burnt out all goodwill.
1: That and I couldn't
2: a- play, I couldn't do that now because I have a, a, a nice tattoo on my ass I don't think Roy Orbison would have. But um, uh, so, so whenever I show up in a movie, it means something went wrong, because uh, I show up in World's Greatest Dad, and that was supposed to be Guillermo from the Jimmy Kimmel show. Mm-hmm. And he, he couldn't get out of work, so it was me. Uh-huh. Uh, fortunately, I had a suit with me because my dad wasn't well, and I thought he might pass away. So I needed to have nice clothes if I went oh, to my dad's geez. funeral. God. <laughs> so so, so really fortunately... Works. No, on a good. Day, um, my dad didn't die, and good. I had to wear the suit, good. and the, he passed away later. At, uh, um, but yeah, so I had because uh, uh, as a golf weight, you don't travel with suits. You no. suits are for funerals or court.
1: I see.
2: You know that was what it was called in my house: court clothes. If you had a jacket on, it. like, <laughs> why is why is Bob why is Bobby in his court clothes?
1: Oh my. Um,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, that, it sounds that. like
1: you having been on probation and being, you know, a, a threat <laughs> I to American. I, it yeah. seems like you should just always have your court clothes with you. Just I should in case. just
2: travel in my court clothes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I should yeah. at least have them with me. Yeah. Or some sort of, <laughs> uh, some sort of dehydrated court clothes. that I can just have water to. So.
1: Well, so we got um, off track. So you, so you wrote this script to see if you could, to see if you could yeah, write a movie. You because actually. I didn't
2: liked. Think I, I didn't think I could,
1: mm-hmm. so I,
2: I wrote it one weekend when I was on the road, and um and uh, I had a manager at the time, and he he had a, a an emergency meeting with his staff and I, and he was like, he said this is a really well written script, and I was like oh thanks, and that did mean a lot to me. I didn't think you know anyone thought I could write at that point, and then um. He said, but we're not going to send it out because we're afraid of what people are going to think about your mental health. <laughs> and uh, and it's, it's funny to say that now, but I was, I was really kind of, you know, I, I was really wigged out. You know, I, I was driving home and then finally I had to think, oh, well, what does this mean? And, it, and I thought, well, it means that, that I'm on the wrong path because this is, yeah. what, I, this is what I really want to do. Yeah. and, and, and Is he and, still your manager? No, I I fired him.
1: Yeah. It seems like that would be a good sign of that. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: I was just like, hey, you know, this is the kind of thing I want to be doing. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, uh, which was, you know, it was, it was all, you know, I, I just stumbled into this, this, second act i mean i love telling stories i love directing i mm-hmm. i should have known i wanted to do that all my life when i looked at a movie poster i didn't look at mm-hmm. who it was who was in it or anything i always looked right to see who written and directed but i want to know who made yeah. it
0: yeah so
2: so it seems like i probably so yeah so so i wrote stay and then um Sarah, my ex, you know, she read it about a year later and she goes, this is a good script. We should make it. And I said, well, I don't have any money. So we just started, she said, we'll just, we'll just make it. We'll just start. So we used a crew from Craigslist and we shot it for 20, 20 grand and,
1: uh, of your own money. You just like made it.
2: Yeah. And my friend Marty and another friend. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean like there's a, I don't know if I told you the story. There's, we, we, uh, there was a, a scene in the garage, and, and we didn't have a garage because this garage we couldn't use. It was mm-hmm. filled with crap. So the neighbor across the house from where we are filming had moved, and the house was for sale. Mm-hmm. And so we broke the lock oh off my the God. door. And then we just oh my god filmed. we put the equipment in there and I said to the crew who were all young kids from Craigslist I go this is a really sensitive scene for the actors so we have to be really quiet while we're over here <laughs> and uh, and I remember Ian he goes he goes you don't have a permit again do you dude I don't know whose fucking house this is so so we shot the whole scene it's a pivotal scene in the movie and then and then um. Uh, and then, and then as we're loading out that morning, it was really beautiful as we're loading out, we get out, we, we you know, and the moving truck pulls in. So oh it was my great. God. Yeah. It was really that sweet. That is it incredible. Was really
1: cool. Yeah. That's and we gorilla guerrilla filmmaking serendipity. That's beautiful. But we giggled story.
2: and laughed like we were all stoned. Uh, I mean, we couldn't stop yeah. laughing.
1: Well, it's also that sleep, that, that shooting all night, you know, punch drunk 5.00 AM. That's just a lovely feeling. But you've um, done that over. over I have. Time. I'm remembering it. Yeah, I'm remembering it very, very, very vividly. I
2: I don't know if we, we discussed this, but you know the not that it's that important. But when I was directed the Kimmel show, every day I would have a, a different dumb hat on, um, <laughs> on purpose, like so. So, and it was because. So I
1: couldn't take myself. You too seriously. It's so freaking important. That is brilliant, and I love that. I love the actual physical reminder to yourself. Yeah, then you just so have to I look in be... the mirror every once in a while to to make or sure just it, that, it registers. You
2: know, when you're the director and you walk through the it's set and you're wearing, a, fe- you're wearing, a, yeah. you're wearing yeah. a fez or right. <laughs> uh, or yeah oh, turban. Great. You know I might have to and steal
1: that. Oh my god. It's gosh.
2: really helpful. It's like if you start right. screaming at people and you're in a sombrero, you're a douche. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> you, know. <laughs> I, you know. I you know
1: so yes, go ahead.
2: No, I remember once my when the, uh Dragon Kimmel and Michael Stipe was on and he's like, Why are you wearing a sombrero? And I explained it to him and he's like, uh-huh. Oh, okay. And uh, he, he goes, That's a really good idea. Yeah. And, uh, and uh and then he was really nice then on the show he 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 said some very complimentary things about 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 me as a director and Kimball goes i wish he would bring some of that to work here uh
1: um i i just have to draw this parallel that I don't know why it didn't really occur to me before but I do I do think that there's a lot I mean not that I was a super famous uh, comedian before my life as a filmmaker but we both came were similarly aged and our first feature films that were the films that we wanted to make you know in your case you would made one before but they both came out the same year my my first feature Oh which- yeah was at Slam Dance in Park City in two thousand six. Won that yeah. festival. The year that that uh, Stay was your film was at Sundance, which is really interesting to think about. And then since then, we've actually made a similar number of films. I've made six films in like nine years, and you've made how many? Seven.
2: Yeah, but you know, it's who cares about numbers?
1: I'm ahead <laughs> of you. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you win.
2: Yeah, then Till Schwamberg comes in and then we're just <laughs> and then
1: we're we're, all,
2: we're yeah. all chumps no no <laughs> I, we have the, we have such the we have the same parallel uh, in regards to the, the not only our lives but the 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 the, the time that we made these movies yeah. the kind of movies they are it's really weird but but what made you uh uh, well, I, I'm not going to say that because, in my life there wasn't one event and stuff. But what were you doing before you you, you started making well, these I, personal personal movies?
1: I, you know, I'm sort of like you. You you said a little while ago that you felt like you should have known, you know, from from long long ago, like what you know that 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 was what you were supposed to be doing. And I, I knew that early on too. Like I always loved films so much. I was just in love with cinema from a very early age. And I remember trying to decide, I got a, a, a undergraduate degree in, in acting. It was from the School of Drama, but my focus was on acting at the University of Washington. And, and I remember applying, I was about to apply to grad school and I, was, I really wanted an excuse to move to New York City, but um, <laughs> I couldn't just do that. Uh, you know, I could just move there. I did eventually, but I, I felt like, oh, I need, I need some sort of structural reason, you know, so I was going to apply to like Juilliard and NYU. But I remember trying to decide, do you want to apply to acting grad school or to directing, which is what I really wanted to do. And I was just too, it seemed so beyond my kin, as they say, like it just seemed... It, it, it terrified right. to me. I knew that right. they. I knew, I knew that they cost millions upon millions of dollars, and that as the oh. director, I would be responsible for somebody else's millions of dollars. They weren't going to be my millions of dollars, and it just, it just terrified me. I found it really intimidating, um, the, and so I what, just said, "Oh, I'll just try to get into an acting." graduate program and I got into like the final round I was like at the top of the waiting list or something according to an insider friend of mine at at NYU and didn't get in luckily because I mean I'm sure that would have been a fine life too but I'm kind of happy I feel like it was a turning point because I was so disappointed at that point in my life but I don't know if I'd be doing what I'm doing now if I had you know gone that directions so so this is
2: all at the same period of time where I no longer uh, where I no, where I, I, I shouldn't say no longer I, I really wasn't enjoying acting. right like I I turned my I I, I jokingly say you know that I, I retired from acting the same time they stopped hiring me uh-huh. but <laughs> I really did turn my back on it like yeah. when because I you said
1: actually had, you were making a living and you actually could have kept on making a living I'm sure well
2: I couldn't, you know, I could, I could keep making, um, I don't know about how, what, what I'd be doing, but if I was willing to, yeah, keep trucking and, you know, keep, keep auditioning and keep exploiting this persona, mm-hmm. I, I could be making a living as a nostalgia act and as a wacky neighbor. <laughs> but but it wasn't making me happy at all right
0: I was
1: right miserable, miserable. yeah yeah
2: and and I didn't realize that that was what was making me miserable I just was miserable
1: right um, right because
2: right. but when you when you start telling stories and making them um, you it's you know it's the whole thing it's everything yeah, you know it and that's and that's why it's like even I'm grateful that I can make a living doing these other things like stand up and directing on other people's shows. Mm-hmm. It often feels a little bit like an intrusion on what makes me happy. I don't resent them, but, but, but if I keep, if I get away from the writing and if I get away from the, the making my own stuff, I mean, that's why like, can you can I make a living with the movies I make you know my movies make hundreds of dollars (laughs) Uh, um, and and the answer is no I can't but I I I choose to make a living so I can keep making well and
1: that's the other parallel we have is that that was why I started trying to get into tv directing was so that I could continue to be true to myself as a filmmaker and occasionally I you know and not worry about oh I have to make a movie that is going to make a whole, whole, whole bunch of money oh, wow. so that I can live. Right. I mean, you're do- and you do the same thing. Like we both do TV episodic work and you worked but, on Kimmel as well and it, and that's kind of like a little you know and then you also do other stuff too i know you you still do stand up around the country and stuff but, but you we have these like money gigs so that we can you can continue to make the movies that you want to make right right
2: Which but is what the, I, do. I mean but what i the reason i stay away from big studio pictures as a director isn't mm-hmm. the i don't feel i don't feel any responsibility like the, the it's right I, I wouldn't be like going oh, no, I'm going to blow, you know, this corporation's money. That one, because if it doesn't make $100 million. For me, it's, I, I can't listen to notes. I can't talk to, yeah. I can't. I mean, like, yeah. it's great when you work with people that you respect or, or you work on shows that are fun. or, or You know, I, I fortunately work with a lot of comics, so I, I you know, I, I, I love Comics. I think I love comics. where you, lo- you love actors, you know. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, but but uh, but but for me, the reason I can't do those studio comedies is just because I, I know I'm going to tell everyone to cram it right away. Yeah. I I don't make my living, but I'm but I've never been happier, you know. I'm, yeah. You know, or I should say fulfilled. You know, America is all about right. being. It's the People's Republic of Spring Break. You know, you're just supposed to be having this
0: <laughs> great,
2: great time all the time, and people can't. People's understand. Republic of Spring
1: Break is really like,
2: But if I, you know, if you know the, it, you know, there's a lot to be said for being fulfilled. You know, that's the whole thing.
1: Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. And right, right. Well, I, my, I, I think we were supposed to talk for for like 22 minutes and oh my god it's literally been an hour that's oh my god yeah
2: well that went that
1: went fast well we'll have Um, to do
2: another one so i can ask you questions
1: part two yeah so you'll have
2: to relinquish the steering wheel so we gotta put a bow on this uh this conversation all right (laughs) all right okay
1: all right well well, nice talking to you
2: yeah right back at you
1: Bye.
0: This is Nick Dawson from Talk House Film, and you've been listening to Lynn Shelton and Bobcat Goldthwait on the Talk House Film podcast. This episode was engineered and edited by Elia Einhorn. For more filmmakers talking film and TV, visit thetalkhouse.com slash film. Subscribe to Talk House Film and Talk House Music podcasts on iTunes where you can find all our previous episodes. And while you're there, please rate and review if you can.
2: All right. Do these pants make my ass look big? <laughs> no. Yeah, no is the right answer on that one. Yeah. I was just checking to see if you were if you were up to speed. Yeah.